Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome back. This is episode 17, and today we're going to be focusing on legacy and specifically creating a lasting legacy. Uh, This is going to be a mini-series of sorts, and uh, the next few episodes are going to be on the exercise of leadership, which I think is one of my favorite topics because for me, um, it's just been something that's been a part of um, an intentional journey since, oh my gosh, since I was maybe like 11, which sounds weird. I mean, maybe younger than that, but like distinctly remember since I was 11, I had this book my mom had left. My mom always had these, um, I guess what you could call self-help or self-improvement books. Uh, and she had them on the shelf and I read one, uh, his author, the author's name was OG Mandino, um, greatest salesman in the world. I think that's what the title was. Uh, maybe some of y'all have heard of it or read it. Uh, but I remember reading it as a, you know, 11 year old and, um, why I cannot remember for the life of me. Like, what 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 eleven year old reads that? But anyways, it was it was mind blowing to me. Like this concept of mastering your emotions and um, the concepts of you know making every day like Christmas Day. Like what would that look like? You know, I think the reason that was such a big deal for me at the time. Now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it, is uh, my parents were going through this divorce, and I just remember like who I was was totally thrown off kilter at that point in time. Um, fascinating. Launches me into, you know, um, a love affair with leadership and psychology. But nonetheless, um, you know, there it is for me. So it's always been on the forefront of my mind. And for me, it's always been a question of how am I exercising leadership? And it's not something that I exercise in certain places. It's where do I exercise it everywhere in my life? Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm exercising it, I feel like, with more power and consistency in some areas and others. Um, but that's what we're going to look at today is just what that looks like, especially as you bring that into work, which I think is really important. So you all know that I talk a lot about systems of improvement um, and the importance of them. And that's because my experience with other leaders particularly show me that they're not really well understood uh, systems because leaders don't spend the time I'm not seeing them spend the time that I think, personal opinion, I think that they need to uh, building, so being the architects of these systems and improving them. Uh, That's where I feel like they should be spending their time. And I say that with a lot of humility because I'm seeing its impact because that's what I feel like I had an aha around 15 years ago as a leader myself. Uh, I had this you know, massive shift because up until that point in time, my leadership was really based on, I think, what some of the mainstream that I see now um, being formulated around, which is I was a strong and I, and I went out and I built these skills. I, I worked on them on purpose, too. But being a strong listener, being a strong team builder, working on um, and working through conflict, um, facilitating um, conversations or meetings. Um, so crucial conversations was a big part of, like, you know, my world at the time. Um, uh, so all of these pieces I thought were really important, building trust. And I'm not saying that they're not, but the aha I had was that um, if things were going really well for a team, there was one of a couple things that were typically happening. And I saw this pattern around me, and then I've been seeing this pattern ever since. One is that you either hired really well, 
Um, and that's awesome, but the problem is that it's really difficult to keep reliable because the minute someone's off or they move out, you've disrupted the dynamics and you've got to build that again. And it just takes a ton more energy to manage people. Uh, I'm not saying that that goes away, but like if that's your go-to. The other thing I've noticed that is usually working well is um, that there's a leader that people will, if you listen long enough, you'll you'll realize actually have some kind of system. They'll talk about them as being um, detail-oriented or organized, um, or maybe they're you know they're really good with process or they're a good thinker, whatever that sounds like. And what I found is that like ah. When I see that leader, they don't call it systems. They might not be explicitly building systems, but they have systems that they're um, operating from that allow for what I just described earlier, all of what I would call the people um, or relational side of um, managing and leadership to really like 10x because, you know, those skills, they are not able to have the impact that they could without systems. It always starts with systems and structures. The problem is that those leaders often don't know that they're building those systems. And so, and others don't, around them don't realize it. And so when that leader leaves, the next leader comes on and they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so did this or that. And they thought it was person dependent, but they didn't realize it was replicable. So is, is that a word, replicable, replicable, replicatable? Anyways, you know what I'm trying to say? So, um, so for me, like, that's why I put so much emphasis there. I don't think that it, it starts and ends with systems. But it, um, it starts, it starts, it explodes the possibilities for folks when they have really strong systems, because what becomes evident after that is the leadership gap, right? You just can't work on it really well without it. And here's the deal. I really do believe that as you work on systems, they, they have to be systems that have a conscious purpose. Um, and I think really good leaders either knowingly or unknowingly do that so they they if you have a, a system without a conscious purpose it just can't be harnessed for its full potential either so that starts with the leader that starts with you and i think that's really important to call out so lasting legacies and exercise of leadership are really about um you know how it is that we're seeing possibility exercising our ability to build relations and um, as we go through this series I just want to make sure I call out that all of it sits on top of to really harness it all of it sits on top of really strong systems so for today I want to focus on legacy every day we're creating our legacy we're creating an impact and I think it's really important to understand because once we know that like once we come to terms with that, we're left with three questions. Is it by design? That's the first question. So is our legacy an impact on purpose or by accident? Two, are you leaving the impact that you want? Because the impact is either on purpose or it's not. It's either positive or it's not. And three, like how do you know? How do you know the legacy or the impact that you're leaving? So what evidence do you have? And I think those three questions are really important. The systems are how or the vehicle that we use to drive our legacy. But we need to start with declaring what that legacy is. So I'm big on um, becoming who you're meant to be. Like I, I believe that we all live into a future. So becoming is something that's just a part of. We are something, but we are 
who we are is based on the future we're continuously living into, which means we have to have a vision for what we're becoming. It's just constant. And I love that frame, by the way, and it's just where I operate from. Not to say that like I'm awesome every single moment of the of the day. I mean, I kind of am, but you know, my wife and some of my closest friends will tell you like, you know, I can I can be a funk sometimes, but but it's really important for us to really think about that because when we think about our leadership, especially with teams, being the leader we were meant to be, being the team or leading the team we were meant to lead or being the organization we were meant to be or being the man or the the person or the parent we were meant to be is so important. So let's start with that first question. Um, is your impact by design or by default? Is it on purpose or accident? And underlying that becomes uh, an even more important question. Who are you meant to be? And I really want you to think about that from the position that you hold, let's say, at work. Let's just start there for a place. You can pick somewhere else. But, you know, if you're in a position and in your position um, you have formal leadership or informal leadership, let's just get this really clear. Uh, what, you know, because without it, you're lost. So, um, you know, who you're meant to be is super important to have some kind of answer for. And the answer is... You know, it doesn't come from going on some kind of journey. You don't discover it. You don't need to, you know, go on a massive walk out into the wilderness. Or, um, you know, I remember, I think it was like 13 years ago, I had done this big kayak paddle and taken out a journal to figure out what kind of leader I was. And um, by the way, it was an awesome, it was an awesome day, you know, and I got to something really cool. But you don't need that. And what I found is that um, it doesn't have to be that profound. Now, if you need to get out there to do that just to clear your head, awesome. But the reason I'm saying all that because is because um, who you're meant to be is not something you discover or find. It's created. It's invented. And it's invented or created by you. Like at any moment, at any moment, even right now, you could just decide who you're meant to be. And wham, all of a sudden you have a future to live into and you can begin living into that future like now, which I think is really important. And some of us are waiting, like we're waiting to be told or to find it or to learn it or to uncover it. And most of us just haven't taken the time to create the clarity and declare it and to choose it, choose who we were meant to be. Because by default, we're living who we're worried um, we don't want to become or we're worried um, how we're going to be seen or we're worried that we're going to fail and what that means. Uh, because by design, we're, we're kind of meant to just be comfortable. So for now, pick an area of your life. For, for this session right now, let's focus on, let's say, work. Think about your role because I want you, I really want this for you. I want you to become the manager or the leader or the team or the accountant or the therapist or the executive or the planner or the trainer that you were meant to be. I think that's really important. I don't want you just to, you know, be a therapist. I don't want you to just be a teacher. Like, that's what I do. I want you to be the teacher you were meant to be, whatever that means. Um, and so that is something that you get to put on top of it. And for you, that might sound like creating an answer to the question, you know, who, are, who am I meant to be? The, the manager I was meant to be is, let's say, unstoppable. Um, I'm meant to be, as a manager, unmessable. <laughs> can't mess with me, man, right? Um, as a manager, I'm meant to be unfazed. As a manager, I'm meant to be results-oriented. Uh, or as a teacher, I'm meant to be um, inspiring. Um, or as a teacher, I'm meant to be inclusive. Or, I'm, you know, the teacher I'm meant to be is a butt kicker. 
because um, it doesn't have to be one thing. It can, you know, it can it can be more than one thing. And being a butt kicker is not bad because you know that what you're trying to do is be inspirational and a butt kicker. And you're trying to understand what is inspiring the young people in your class. And then you're going to kick their butts to be able to achieve it. Or you know that what's important is that we have a goal, you know, to have and make a difference in the community and the people who have come into your workplace that you're managing, they've decided that they wanna make a difference too. So by you being unmessable, you're not letting anything mess with the opportunity to create an impact for the community that you said you would and for you to have that person live up to the vision that they want to live up to. Because we're all gonna say we wanna do something and then we're all gonna retreat. That's exactly how it works every single time and it's not because we're bad or because we're lazy it's just how we're wired and so it's going to require us to constantly choose now it doesn't have to be one thing you don't have to be just like yo my name's chris and i'm unstoppable like you can be and that's awesome but um you know it could be more than that but it can't be like seven things either otherwise you lose track you know you can't be like oh i'm unstoppable and unfazable and inspiring and inclusive like you probably are all those things but you know to really get the practice down, I would choose like one or two things that really start to become who you are because you become that, you become that message, you know? And I think that's really important to understand because it allows you then to reverse engineer what it looks like. Um, and I think that's really important. So let me just talk about that for a second. If it helps, um, think about it backwards from the future and reverse engineer it. So how do you wanna be remembered? That might, that might give you some clues. Like what would people say about you? Um, what would you accomplish? Creating a purposeful legacy really starts by stating the legacy and then knowing who you are meant to be in order to achieve it. You know, if my job is to unleash inspiration, then you better be inspiring, right? It starts to tell you who you are meant to be. Like if I'm trying to unleash inspiration um, as let's say a, a therapist, and create inclusion and, and kick the butts of my clients to have a better life, then you better be inspiring and you better be a butt kicker, right? All at the same time, like that's who you need to be. And I think that's really important to understand because then we start to see some leadership gaps here that emerge. But, but um, what's cool about this is it doesn't have to be one thing and it can change. Like who you are in this situation is one way and who you are then um, in another situation can change. Like you don't want to be different things with the same team. You want to be really consistent, but you could be, you know, who you need to be for this project and then shift. And I think that's what's cool. And we forget that. We think, meh, my name's Chris. This is who I am, you know, and I'm one way. And you're not. We have an infinite ability to choose who we get to be. And if who you need to be is shy because it allows others to grow, awesome as long as it's on purpose and you know what you're trying to accomplish if you need to be big if you need to be grandiose in a moment because that's what's called for to excite other people because the energy has gotten low and the transformation requires that someone keep the drumbeat going then you be that right like that's what requires and you just get to choose it I can't think of any better scenario than being a parent right now I'm constantly choosing brand new identities to take on because you know, as a leader of a family, and I don't mean that like as the man of the family, but like as a, as a co-leader with my wife, like that's what's required of me. 
And I can't think of a better training ground than having two kids, um, you know, named Wilson and Sienna that are going to drive that practice for me day in and day out. And then I get to take it into a place like work and be able to be effective for the kind of mission that I have for my life. So it's just an ongoing journey, which is kind of fun. So that's question number one, right? So, um, you know, is our legacy on purpose and who are we meant to be then to be able to create that legacy? The second question then becomes a matter of whether or not um, we're having the impact that we want. So some of us know uh, who we're meant to be, right? And it's a shifting thing for us and we're comfortable with that or it's constant for us. And other of us, you know, we get to start that. But then we need to assess this impact that we're having. If our legacy is to train a team and, and transform it, I'm sorry, if our legacy is to transform a team into, you know, a highly engaged and results oriented unit, um, fine, then you need to show up highly engaged and you need to be, you need to be results oriented and you need to be um, someone who invites engagement. And so, um, for some of us, we're just scratching our heads. Like, what does that mean? Like, what would that look like? What would people be doing? So you need to be asking yourself that question because you need to be able to see it for yourself and then be able to identify it happening. Like, what would people be doing if they were highly engaged or if they were results oriented? What would they be saying? What would they not be doing um, by default? What would they not be saying? You can't just call out what they wouldn't be doing, by the way. You have to actively call out what they would be doing. Um, but sometimes it's helpful to understand what would be what would not be happening um, as well. I worked with a leader who wanted to create a legacy of high engagement, um, and it, it's a weird one because I think it's complex. It's kind of a you know conceptual you know this thing called engagement you know whatever. But um, but it's someone's deep commitment. Engagement in my book is someone's deep commitment um, to a team or a purpose. So she said um, that coworkers would get um, each other's backs. Like, that's what it would look like. And I was like, okay, get each other's backs. It's still conceptual, but I understand what you mean. Um, you know, and she said, you know, they would share their workloads. So I was like, aha, that's very concrete. So now they're sharing work. Maybe like when folks went out on um, time off or PTO or even during the work days, this things got hard. So got it. It's like, that's what it would look like. Um, and, and that wasn't happening today. Like folks would leave and come back and have a mountain of work to do. Or they would just do their best because... That's, you know, how they were trained to operate. Like if, if, you know, Tracy falls behind, Tracy gets back up and makes it happen because that's what Tracy does because Tracy's a professional, right? So it was missing, you know, and I think that's really important. And why? Like, why was it important for her? It was a learning journey. And it, and I think it was really important is because, um, you know, they, they were really trying to figure out like um, what was getting in the way of their ability to like have this this idea of high engagement and shared work occur. And they really had to get clear about what was getting in the way. One of the things that they learned was that they just couldn't see each other's work. They couldn't see the capacity or availability. So she got to see that in order to have high engagement and um, a team that was sharing workload, that she needed to build a system to see and show workload and priority and capacity. So she used a simple system following our four disciplines of daily management. And it was really awesome because what she realized she needed to be and who she needed to be was planful. She needed to be an architect, not her go-to. Her go-to was someone who was more of a um, uh, kind of a somebody who was on the battlefield. It was triaging stuff. She liked to, you know, be in the thick of it. And so being planful was difficult for her. But it was short term. And today people are offering, it's so cool. People are offering who has capacity and who can help every single day. 
and they're being for each other. It's so cool to watch. So by declaring her legacy, she created a future to live into. And up to that point, it's what she wanted. She just didn't declare it. And she didn't really know that she needed a system to support that as well as um, being able to think about who she needed to be. So she was just reacting up into that point. And the impact being created was low morale and burnout. Not entirely her fault, but it was a legacy by default. And I think that's really important to understand. So we need to begin to understand what's the impact that we want to have from our legacy and what evidence, like how will we know we're achieving it? Because that'll point us in the right direction in terms of what we need to actually create. So who are you meant to be and how do you want to be remembered? That's the first question. The second question is how will you know you created the impact you intended? What will you see or hear? What won't you see or hear? That's going to help you inform what systems might need to be in place or what might be missing in terms of um, growth. And sometimes you need training around it and skill. Sometimes you don't. You just, you just become who that is in order to create the result. There will still be a gap because that might not be who you are, but that's okay. That's totally okay. It's a journey for all of us. We're all figuring this out every single day because it's who we're meant to be and, and the impact we want. It's an invention. You create it. And so it has that kind of uh, malleability, this fluidity to it. The third question is always, how do you know? And, and what's hard is without declaring it and being able to not just declare the future that you want and who you're meant to be, but the impact you want to have. And without declaring how you would know it, there's no way to be able to be able to capture that. But one of my favorite ways of leveraging like a system like four disciplines of daily management is beginning to call out like what behaviors would we see? Um, or what performance would it have? Um, or what impact would it create on our engagement? And so you can quantify the difference, um, whether it's the number of smiles you see, the number of times people are showing up for work, the number of times people are showing up for your huddle, the number of times folks are coming up with ideas um, for improvement, the number of times um, folks are saying um, whatever it is you need to hear, like, um, you know, what about this? Or the number of times you the number of times you don't hear the word but and the number of times you do hear the word and, right? Whatever that looks like. I don't know what your metric is depending on the future that you're trying to create and who you're meant to be, but it gives you the opportunity to just capture that. So that's what the power of systems. And it's a practice. This whole idea of creating legacy and making sure it's by design, not default, making sure you know the impact you want and making sure you can capture whether or not it's making a difference, like you know if you're, if you're trending in that direction. It's a practice. It's a distinction. And that's the first step. It can be whatever you say it is. Whatever your legacy is going to be is what you say it is and you can change it at any time. Because if you don't change it, guess what? You're still leaving a legacy no matter what. I started this whole broadcast by saying that every single day we create a legacy and you do. It's by default or it's on purpose. It's by design. And so I just want you to do it. It's just most of us don't. We don't. And it's easy not to. It's easy to coast, right? And it's work. I, I Not in like, oh my God, it's work. But like as much as being a parent or, um, or uh, being a spouse or if you're more into sports, like um, you know, you know, being able to, you know, uh, ski down that really killer hill, whatever that is, it's work to live into, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come with joy, right? And it's fun. Um, and you'll have lots of challenges as you struggle to live your future, but our goal should not be to free from struggle, but to live a life 
and to strive for a future worth struggling for. So that's it, my friends. That's this week's episode of Thought Revolution. I hope you got a lot out of it. I had a lot of fun just being able to talk about this distinction of lasting legacy. Again, this is going to be kicking off a series around leadership and the practice of leadership and the exercise of leadership. Um, Because I know that all of you wake up every single day and you want your lives to matter and you're out there making a difference. And I want you to be able to spend more time making a difference instead of making things work. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would rate and um, leave me some kind of review for this podcast. I'd love to hear what you're getting for it. You know what? Drop me an email too. That's cool too. I just love to hear from folks at different times on what you're getting from this. And again, thanks you guys so much and I'll see you next week.